It's an unfortunate fact that the elderly are taken advantage of every day. While the laws are complicated and constantly changing, the wisest and safest way to keep track of them all is to call elder law attorney Michael Cohen. Having devoted his career to informing and protecting the elderly, Michael communicates about the law in ways that you and your loved ones will surely understand. Join us now to know your legal rights with Michael Cohen and co-host Don Crawford Jr. Here's Michael and Don. My name is Don Crawford Jr., the grateful co-host of a state planning essentials program, and I'm sitting with my co-host, my friend, my attorney, who should be your attorney, which I've been saying that for years, Michael H. Cohen. Hello, Michael. Well, you know my middle initial is B, so I'm trying to figure out what the H is, and I hope it's not horrific. <laughs> well, it's funny you just said what the H is, what the heck is, is what I say sometimes instead of heck, what the H is, is for holographic, which is the theme of today's program, I understand, even though I'm not entirely sure I even know what holographic means and the audience means uh, knows what that means, and we're going to certainly find out. I do want to say Happy Memorial Day to all of our listeners um, who are celebrating that special day of the year that um, commemorates and remembers uh, our great war veterans and other individuals who have fought for these incredible freedoms that um, were provided by living in the greatest country in the world. I know you feel the same way, Michael. Absolutely. We can't give uh, our, we should be indebted. Uh, our gratitude is uh, unending for those who sacrificed for us, and we appreciate that. All of our veterans, uh, uh, sometimes it's they don't get the credit they deserve. And mm-hmm. uh, certainly um, we wish everybody a happy holiday, though. That's right. Too many times they don't get the credit. So I appreciate you saying that. I know our war veterans and uh, the widows and family of uh, people who have passed away who fought for our freedoms appreciate that, too. So they're also going to appreciate the education you have to provide today, Michael, on what you told me before the program, which is about holographic wills. And you're going to sort of explain to us what they are, what they mean, how important they are, and then also provide us with a day in the life of Michael Cohen, because you have a client here in Dallas that has an experience with holographic wills. Yeah, that's what made me even think about even talking about that today is it's just something that's been happened this last week. First of all, a holographic will is a handwritten will. And a lot of people say, why don't I just have a handwritten will? Well, uh, you know, you can under Texas law. The problem is that usually there, there's problems with it, but, uh, but you can. And, you know, during the pandemic, there was probably more handwritten wills because it was harder to get in front of uh, uh, people to have two witnesses in a notary or a lot of times people wanted to, uh, you know, harder to get to with an attorney a lot of times. Um, sometimes people had drive-by signings and things like that. But <laughs> so the uh, pandemic has created where we know that there's been a lot more wills that were signed uh, during the past year or so, I, I know we were on. I was on a conference uh, with the judges that talked to the probate section just this last week, and they were saying that the amount of um, increase in caseload uh, increased uh, 24% uh, over the last uh, year or two uh, each year. So 
know that unfortunately there's been a lot more deaths due to COVID uh, or for other reasons. And the uh, the other, so as a result, more people are having wills, but they, it was hard. A lot of times people don't want to get out there under, um, you know, stressful situation. Of course, I know that people are getting more and more out now as we hopefully are hitting towards the end of the pandemic, uh, but we're still there. Uh, so, a lot more people, even younger people, are having wills now that that didn't used to have them. I think now, um, much higher percentage. I don't know if it's even gotten to fifty percent yet, mm-hmm. but a lot more people are having wills. And of course, a lot of times we have trust. But today's topic is a holographic will. What is a holographic will? What is a handwritten will? How does it have to be done to be valid in Texas? Now, the reason why I even brought this thing up is uh, you, you mentioned a day in life, and so. Uh, this is what happened this week. We were in the process of preparing a trust, uh, a trust which would avoid probate. In this case, there was a couple, although they were not married, um, and they just couldn't get their things together, uh, figure out what actually assets they have. With a trust, you have to re- have to be able to. Uh, transfer all the assets. You had to kind of figure out what the, all those assets were, and they were in the process of doing that. Uh, unfortunately, uh, and, and, and one of them wanted to stay at home uh, because they were concerned about the pandemic, that they had other health issues, and they didn't really want to get out. Um, so they hadn't signed um, the documents that we had prepared. Uh, this is not the this has happened several times this week where we uh, actually had people. We said, okay, your documents are, are ready, and they died. Hmm. Um, and that's what happened here. Now, in this case, and I told you that they were not married. So what happens, first of all, if you didn't have a will at all? Well, if you're not married, it goes to your closest relatives. Well, who's your closest relatives? In her case, uh, the parents had predeceased. There was no children. Uh, there was no siblings, so all there was was distant cousins who we haven't, ta- who she hadn't talked to in, in decades. If she didn't have a will at all, every even though she had uh, been with the uh, same person for over 50 years, everything would have gone to the distant cousins who she hadn't talked to. Now, luckily, uh, she did have a holographic will, a handwritten will. So now we're going to be in the process of trying to say that that will was valid. So now we have to go through the requirements of what makes it a valid will if it's handwritten. First of all, it has to be all in your handwriting. So I think we talked about a story about somebody else uh, about a month or two ago where it was all typed up and just signed by the uh, person uh, who was signing. That wasn't handwriting. The other part wasn't in handwriting. It was just only the signature was in handwriting, and the other parts of the will uh, that was filled out by her sister uh, in the case that we had a few months ago uh, was uh, was is disregarded. So in other words, if it's somebody else's handwriting, it's not your handwriting, it's disregarded under Texas law. Well, it's called the, uh, I, I believe it's called something like the rule of uh, surplusage. Surplusage, any, okay. Yeah, the rule of surplusage is it, any part of the will that's not in your handwriting is just completely ignored and stricken from the will. Wow. 
And that could change everything, right? Because they'll assume, the they'll assume somebody doctored it, Michael. Is that why? Yeah, it's got to be what you want, not what's. In, in fact, in that other case that we talked about, I think on the show a month or two ago, uh, the person who wrote all the will was the sister and said it all go, or at least the majority went to her, uh, and uh, and then she had her sister sign it because remember, I don't know if you remember that case, but uh, the per, the sister had cancer, she was dying, and she was going through a divorce. It was likely that she would. D- died before the divorce was final. So uh, in that particular case, one sister came from Europe uh, and said, okay, name me as the executor, uh, name, uh, I am a beneficiary with our other sibling perhaps, uh, and we're cutting out the spouse. And, but it was all, she did all the work and she just had her sister sign. So the court would disregard that. And by the way, as we mentioned, uh, on that show a couple months ago, you can't even be named as an executor if you're not a U.S. citizen. You could be a resident of a different state and be an executor in Texas. That's not the law in every other state, by the way. Every state's laws are different. I can't even tell you if holographic wills are honored in every state, but in Texas they are if you meet the requirements under the estates code. So we just have to follow the. I mean, I don't recommend. You generally don't recommend a holographic will, but I know a lot of times people ask about it. Uh, but generally, people make mistakes. So it really should be the thing of last resort. Mm-hmm. However, I think it's going to be okay in our case for the most part uh, because the the way that they did draft the will. So even though they didn't sign this trust, she did write a holographic will saying okay. everything goes to her partner. So let's see if the will would be good. Well, the first thing we just mentioned was it must be all in writing. And, and in fact, it is her, her, it looks like to be her handwriting. So how are, so what we're going to have to do though is show, have people who could identify that handwriting and show that's true. You know, that's not a forgery. Uh, so we are going to have to find some people say, oh yeah, I knew the deceased. And that's her handwriting. And how do I know that that's that person's handwriting? Did she send Christmas cards? Did she uh, write me a letter? Did she? How do I know that that's person's handwriting? So we're going right. to have to prove it. So, so you'll. So again, you'll. You, it's going to be additional proof uh, when you have it in handwriting. It's not to say it can't be valid. It's just that we have to go through the laws of the state. Okay. Um, the will must be. Uh, signed, of course, by the testator. Um, and, uh, you know, you might say, well, okay, well, I mean, if the will was all in your handwriting, you certainly, it's got to be signed. So mm-hmm. if, if you didn't sign the will, uh, obviously it's no good. Uh, you, technically, though, you could be, if you were either illiterate or you just were just too weak, technically there is a way to have it done with even an X at the end. So we've done that. We've done that. Uh, I remember one time we had a will that was not a handwritten will, but another will where we had prepared the will for somebody, uh, and he told us he was ill. Uh, he he said he thought he had a year to live, which gave us the heebie-jeebies, as they say. It's a legal term. Uh, and, <laughs> uh, the uh, uh, and and it's, oh my goodness, he said he only had a year to live. We did a will immediately. Uh, and before he could even sign it, he had a stroke. And the uh, luckily he gained we gained enough mental capacity. Uh, we had him evaluated, and uh, we had him. He could only sign 
with an X with his left hand, and he was right-handed. Well, we got the will was valid. The will was valid. It, in that case, we had it witnessed before uh, two witnesses uh, and a notary public. Interestingly enough, a holographic will does not have to be witnessed or notarized. So the reason for having witnesses in a notary and having a self-proving affidavit language that a, if it was done by an attorney would do generally, is so that you don't have to bring witnesses to court and to say it was a valid will without any further proof. In this case, of course, we're talking about having to get the proof of somebody who's familiar with the handwriting, a couple different people who say, yeah, that's the handwriting of the deceased. So here, uh, so, so a will does not technically, in this case, if, if, you know, if I had a typed will, <laughs> it may have to have been witnessed. But here uh, we have a handwritten will, and if it's a handwritten will fully in your handwriting then uh, and signed by you, it could be a valid will. Amazing. And Does then, that also apply, before you go any further, what about uh, notarization? Would that also have to um, be notarized? A handwritten will does not have to be notarized. Interesting. Yeah, so, you know, usually you think of the, the whole idea of having the notary uh, when you have two witnesses is that they prove, they say that all the different requirements for a witness to be valid and the testator to say that the will was their will and they were over the age of 18 and the witnesses were each over the age of 14 and that they signed it in their presence and the presence of each other. Mm-hmm. It was found exposing mind and memory. Uh, it was their, they swore it's their last will and testament. Uh, then it's notarized so that you don't have to bring a witness to court. Uh, in this case, uh, you don't have to have witnesses or a notary for a fully handwritten will. Uh, it's just that you'll have to bring witnesses to court, not that witnesses to the signing of the will. In this case, it will be witnesses to the, to the handwriting. So uh, the next thing is you have to have testamentary disposition. Uh, that means that you have to kind of say what you want things to go, uh, uh, you know, specifically who gets what. Now, in, in the case of, uh, of this will that I'm looking at, I'm looking at the will, the handwritten will, and I'm just kind of going down it as we speak. Um, the first thing they started off and they said they were over 18. That was good. You know, otherwise you might have to prove. Remember, for a will to be valid, uh, you have to be... Uh, over age 18, uh, unless you're in the, I suppose if you're in the military before age 18 or if you had been emancipated, sometimes people uh, can be declared an adult as, I believe, as earlier than 18 mm-hmm. uh, for certain reasons, but generally you have to be 18. Uh, and this thing, she's also said that she declared to be her last will. So she mm-hmm. clarified this was her last will and testament. That's a good mm-hmm. thing. Uh, and then she said here, um, and she date, she dated the document. She said what her name was. She said where she resided. And she said, I give, devise, and bequeath. Well, that's good because that tells the testamentary nature uh, that the, it's what she wants things to be irrevocable upon right. her death. That's a good thing, too. So, But you see, if you just say, um, normally when people do a handwritten will, it's very rare that we have a I hate to say a good handwritten will. In this case, it, it's pretty good because she's covered an awful lot of stuff already, and we're having we you know we're just beginning. 
Um, and she even says, what happens if something happens to her friend, uh, her significant other? Uh, she, she said, you know, if, if she, you have to say if there was a specific question, you have to say, okay, this is what happens. In this case, she even said, what happens if, if she passed? Where it goes if, if their friend died? Uh, and she uh, said uh, she named her as her independent executor. That's important, too. Why? If you just said executor, a lot of these, even a lot of the store-bought forms or the Internet forms, of course, last week's show, we talked about the perils of a Internet form for a power of attorney. It cost the estate thousands and thousands of dollars in a lawsuit mm-hmm. because they tried to save money. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this case, uh, fortunately, I think we're going to be able to overcome the handwritten will for the most part. It may be a little bit more expensive to go through probate because of a couple things. But you see, most of these uh, Internet forms, or many of them, in most states, you just say, I appoint so-and-so as my executor, and that's fine. In Texas, if you don't say that the executor is independent, which means independent of court supervision, every time you want to do something, you got to get the go to court and say, Mother, may I? Or well, court, may I? Yeah. What a nightmare. So you, right. So that gets to be more of an expense. Uh, so you do need to say independent, and also you need to say without bond. In this case, that the estate was uh, about a million and a half with going through a handwritten will. Uh, what would the bond be? Let's say even if it's ten percent, that's a hundred and fifty thousand dollar bond. So you're so you're gonna <laughs> you're going to you know it could have been very costly if they didn't say without bond. Most people who are doing a will themselves, they don't think about bond. Right. They don't think about the executor being independent. There's another thing, and that's the power of sale. Now, in this case, they didn't put, usually a lot of times you put down what the authorities are, uh, you know, if, of, of the executor. And in this case, it doesn't say the power to sell property. So right. a title company may require and there's, uh, in this case, there's, I think, three or four pieces of real estate. So the, uh, the title company, if it's going to sell the property, they may require that you go back to court to get the authority to sell the real estate. So, wow. But, so the will is good. It's just that you have to be really careful of what you do and how you say it, because if you don't say the right thing, then you got a problem. And in fact, if, you know... Uh, if, if you had said, let's say that she wasn't the executor, what if you said that the next person is the alternate executor, but they're not the not independent? Well, then you got you got the problem that you may have to go back to court and say, Mother, may I, or court, may I, again, to say that the person was independent. So you hmm. have, so it just, it, it just, I guess it's a, a kind of a trap for the unwary. So you just have to be very careful. When you do these things, so it is, it can be valid, just like uh, we were saying. But there's a lot of different traps, so you have to be careful. And that's a really great point of, of the whole first discussion here, um, and that there are traps everywhere. It's a minefield. We've been telling the audience for five or ten years now. And uh, pardon the cliche, but my father's an attorney, and I've been hearing it probably since the day I was born. But the devil is in the details, and. If you don't have certain words in there or there's not a comma or you intentionally leave words out, it changes 
the context of the document and uh, either that paragraph or the entire document. And um, who knows then what could happen? And this is why God made attorneys. This is why there are people like Michael Cohen to uh, act like a, a legal sniper to pick off these things and to show you that this needs to be there or this shouldn't be there in order to fulfill all of your plans, not just some of them. And I've got two questions for Michael before the end of the show here, but I want to promote his next workshop, which will allow you to ask questions about a holographic will, a regular wills, trusts, IRAs, government assistance, Social Security, Medicare. He's got this down. He studies this every day of the year, basically. I don't think he takes off Sundays knowing Michael. So he's the best live in-person source you could come up with, uh, or non-live in-person source, because I don't think there's anything better than a, a real attorney who's aware of the current legislation and laws and regulations, especially for the state of Texas. Michael Cohen has a free online workshop once or twice a month, and the next one is Saturday, June the 12th at 10 o'clock, where you get to ask Michael questions about anything related to estate planning or government assistance. And you know, what's great about Michael, uh, having known him for five or 10 years now, is that he's going to say, I don't know if he doesn't know the answer, but 99 out of 100 times he does know because he's so current and knowledgeable about the facts and the laws. And Michael, take a minute to promote uh, the workshop and what happens there. Uh, we do offer a free estate planning essentials workshop. There's no obligation. And for people to just get their questions asked or just to listen about the questions of others or right. and find out whatever it is that they want to know about it regarding estate planning uh, or Medicaid, like you mentioned, or veterans benefits or some mm -hmm. of the things, veterans benefits here now that we're talking about Memorial Day weekend. But uh, the, the bottom line is we say, what do you want to know? And uh, like you said, the workshop at the present time is online. We hope the pandemic will be over soon and we're going back to doing things live again, uh, but it's very simple. We have it uh, by Zoom. All it is is we give you instructions. If you've never done Zoom before, all you'll have to do is click on the link and just ask what, whatever questions, and we'll talk about estate planning essentials uh, uh, and go into more depth as to whatever the questions might be. And that's why every workshop is different because we never know what questions that people might ask. Mm -hmm. And generally you learn something from what others may ask besides getting to get the answers to your questions without any obligation. Uh, the next workshop, like you said, is June 12. Mm -hmm. uh, if you do go to that free estate planning essentials workshop, uh, then you'll also get the opportunity to go uh, have a one-on-one -on -one meeting also without obligation. You know, if you don't do anything, that's okay. You get to answer your questions. And maybe there was something personal that you didn't want to discuss uh, where other people were listening. Uh, and, and Or you just wanted me to review something, some of your existing documents. To go to that free estate planning essentials workshop and have the potential to have that extra hour to see your questions answered individually with uh, is without charge. All you have to do is call our telephone number, which is 214 Seven two zero zero one zero two. That's two one four seven two zero one zero two. Or sign up online at DallasElderLawyer.com. That's DallasElderLawyer.com. Excellent. We talked about holographic wills. We've got about two minutes left or so. Uh, please give me and the audience a sixty-second answer on the second most old-fashioned way of creating a will. What if someone recorded their will? 
like on a tape recorder or their cell phone or something like that. Would that count? And what are the inherent problems with that? Well, obviously, you're, there are things called. It's interesting that you you would say that because there there's actually is provisions uh, in Texas. It's called a non-competitive will. So every state uh, has their own uh, definition in uh, as what you could do. Uh-huh. But they're, but they're no longer – they used to be recognized in Texas, but if my memory is correct, as of September 1st of 2007, huh. uh, oral wills were no longer valid. But they are no longer valid because the proof about it is is, is very difficult. Like you said, you have it oral or whatever, and how do you know what's going on? You can't see what's happening. Um, yeah. You know, a lot of times, even, even when people try to – uh, to tr- sometimes people videotape wills to show capacity, but a lot of times it shows incapacity. That's a good point. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. Well, I guess you could videotape it, um, too. Um, that's a whole other topic, and it's too bad we've run out of time, basically, for this program. But if you have a holographic will, if you have an oral will, uh, even if you have a videotape will, there's nothing like in person, uh, and there's nothing like a person. And the person is Michael Cohen. His next workshop you get to sign up for free, which is virtual, which is online via Zoom, and which you can attend uh, from the comforts of your own home, is Saturday, June the 12th at 10 o'clock. And the way to sign up is to just call Michael's office and dial 214-720-0102, 214-720-0102 to sign up for that next estate planning essentials program or workshop, or Go to Dallas Elder, E-L-D-E-R, lawyer.com, DallasElderLawyer.com. These programs are archived if you want to listen to them. Michael has podcasts. He's got a newsletter you should get every month, which is great. He was voted, again, the top 10 attorney blogs in the entire state of Texas in the month of May, I believe it was, or April. And he gets that all the time. It's almost a waste of my time saying it because it's not surprising he's so good, and we're all so used to that accolade. Um, but he needs to be recognized for it because he's a great writer, a great speaker, and he's a very honest man. And I'll tell you, he talks about trust um, in his many of his programs. Well, trust is the operative word, and this is one individual you really can't trust when it comes to your estate planning or any kind of government assistance. So sign up for that next workshop on June the 12th at 10 o'clock in the morning. Never have to leave your home for it. Michael Cohen, we thank you for the education today, sir. Thank you, Don. A leading estate planner practicing law in Dallas, Texas for decades now, Michael Cohen is ready to educate you about the estate planning laws that can affect your family and you. The first step is to attend his next workshop by going to his website, which is DallasElderLawyer.com. That's DallasElderLawyer.com to sign up for that free estate planning essentials workshop. Or you can also call him by dialing 214 214- 720-0102. That's 214-720-0102. A talk show host on 770-KAAM for six years, Michael Cohen is the person you want to evaluate and complete what could currently be a deficient estate plan. Make sure it is done your way and sign up for his next workshop today 214-720-0102.